Hello and welcome to the 8th episode of the Valnist podcast. I'm excited because today we have, I would say, uh, the best Estonian Valnist of nowadays, Arvo Labour. Hello Arvo. Hello Maxim. It's very nice to talk to you. Uh, you're, you are right now working as a first concertmaster of the Estonian Symphony Orchestra as the professor and head of string department at the Estonian Academy of Music and Theatre. Also, you're performing as a soloist and chamber musician, is it right? Yes. How do you manage so many things at the same time? Is it not big hustle? We have uh, in Estonian National Symphony Orchestra two first concertmasters. Mm. So we have uh, we switch this place Each one is playing uh, like 60%. Sometimes mm. we play together. Mm. But not every week, so, right? No, not every week. Some very important concerts we play together. We have two concert masters at the same time. And mm. uh, on uh, tours, we are also with two first concert masters. Mm. But uh, regular concerts, we sometimes. Uh, we mm. like switch. And uh, what do you like more, playing or teaching? This has always been uh, together. Mm-hmm. Since the beginning of my professional career, I started, I I always played, yes. Always mm-hmm. played uh, as a soloist and chamber musician. But after finishing uh, Moscow Conservatory, mm-hmm. I started teaching also. So mm-hmm. I, I was a violin teacher in Finland, in Kuopio, mm-hmm. and uh, also in uh, Tallinn Conservatory. Mm-hmm. It was uh, in 1989 until 1991. Mm-hmm. Then there was a period where I was only playing as a concertmaster mm-hmm. in, in Holland and uh, as a soloist and chamber musician in Estonia and internationally. And my next uh, teaching period started, uh, I think, uh, like year 2000 or something. Mm. Yeah, you you have a very interesting and bright career. Maybe you can tell a little bit more. This uh, after graduating from Moscow Conservatory, I, as I said, I started uh, teaching in Tallinn Conservatory, mm-hmm. and then uh, after one tour in Finland, mm-hmm. they I I played this um, Vivaldi seasons. Mm-hmm. I had uh, six uh, concerts there in Finland in different places. Mm-hmm. After these concerts, they invited me to teach in Kopio, mm-hmm. Kopio Conservatory, in the youth, uh, how do you say, youth? Youth department. Department, yes. <clears throat> and uh, later on, uh, I met in, in Finland some very interesting musicians and, and played also with Tapiola Sinfonietta and different chamber music projects and there there I met 
such colorful person as uh, Lev Marquis, mm. uh -huh. who, who is a outstanding conductor. Okay. And uh, he was uh, a violinist, also with the mm. Moscow background. But mm. he was uh, in in these uh, years. He was working in Amsterdam with the chamber orchestra New Symphonietta Amsterdam. Mm. And after we met in in Finland, he invited me to come to Holland mm. to play with this uh, in his chamber orchestra New Symphonietta Amsterdam. It was a very interesting period, and I started to work with with this orchestra. Yeah. And this was year 1992 when I started frequently visit uh, to visit uh, Holland and to mm. play these projects with the uh, new Sinfonietta. Also, there were interesting interesting things happening because uh, I played a lot of uh, chamber music with. Uh, friends and colleagues in Holland. Mm. So basically I, I was living in two countries, like in Estonia and in Holland. Uh -huh. Because the New Sinfonietta is a, was a project orchestra, it was not a full-time job. But uh, it included very interesting uh, concerts in, in uh, Holland and also tours in different European countries. Mm. And it was a very good experience with such a great uh, conductor. Mm. Very good chamber music experience and uh, chamber orchestra experience. Mm. And uh, the later on, from 1995, there was an audition to audition for a concert master place in uh, Harlem. Uh -huh. uh, this was a orchestra was called North Holland Philharmonic, uh -huh. and I played the audition and I got the job. Uh -huh. so from 1995, I became the concertmaster of North Holland Philharmonic Orchestra. Uh -huh. And again, uh, situation was that I I never left uh, Estonia like 100%. I I still had time, uh, had time enough to to be also in Estonia and to play concerts in Estonia. Because uh, this was also like first concertmaster in Holland. It 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 means that I was not, I didn't have to play 100% all programs. So so I had some some free periods each month, month so that to travel. Mm. And uh, later on, mm -hmm. I always uh, loved to be in Estonia. Mm -hmm. Estonia. And uh, in 2001, there was an audition for the first uh, concertmaster place in, in Estonia National, uh, National Symphony Orchestra. Mm. So I played also this audition and I got uh, the job as concertmaster of Estonian National Symphony Orchestra. And uh, also I kept uh, the position in Holland. So, so I was concertmaster in two orchestras at the same oh. time. <laughs> so this was quite a 
So you were traveling basically all the time between Holland and Estonia. Every month, every month, I was, I was flying. Oh. But uh, it was not uh, not so difficult because uh, it is like two or two and a half hours uh, flying, and then you are in your next place. So <laughs> it was like, you know, when you go by bus. Uh, from Tartu to Tallinn, it's the same. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, from uh, about 2006, mm. I concentrated uh, more on Estonian, mm. Estonian things, because then I started uh, to teach also and uh, I felt that uh, this was uh, too much to be everywhere at the same time. Mm. So finally, I I had to make a decision about mm. my further career and my life. So my decision was to concentrate on on Estonia. Mm. It has also the aspect that uh, my children wanted to to get Estonian education and go to the Estonian school and and family and uh, so we we felt very patriotic <laughs> yeah, wanted to wanted to live in Estonia basically mm -hmm. okay it's nice and uh, like uh, you had uh, you have been in Estonia and in Russia studying and playing and in Holland in Finland and how how style of playing differs in all these countries in uh, when I started in Holland I had a feeling that the musical life and the style of playing uh, there was more variety yeah in Holland because it was a uh, ideologically very open-minded and and uh, very uh, much different styles and attitudes were, were alive especially when you think about baroque music and discovering uh, these uh, ensembles and orchestras uh, which are playing uh, on so-called uh, authentic authentic style mm. and uh, in Holland, you, you have uh, like 13 or 14 uh, symphony orchestras. In such a small country like Holland, there were very many orchestras and very many different ensembles and baroque orchestras. So the variety mm -hmm. was uh, impressive mm -hmm. in those days. Mm. Nowadays, uh, I have to say that in Estonia, also, the variety of music making and and uh, understanding of different styles and and different historical historical periods of music making and playing it has developed enormously, mm -hmm. and there is there is no uh, fundamental difference anymore. I think in uh, contemporary. Yes, like nowadays, there is no no fundamental difference. Mm -hmm. So uh, it is uh, 
nearly impossible to to judge like ah. in, uh, in uh, yes I, I can't I can't say that in Holland is uh, like one, one different style and in Estonia is totally in other other kind of style or in Germany because uh, as I see in uh, music academy the students nowadays get their education usually very often in different countries. Ah. They study in Estonia, then they go to Germany, then someone goes to, they have very good connections with England and also Holland and France and and also like um, in my uh, class I have students from when I look through the period what I have uh, been teaching I have students from I've had students from Korea, Japan, uh -huh. uh, then Finland, Spain, and uh, United States. Uh -huh. <laughs> My yeah. class is is absolutely international. Uh -huh. Well, it's uh, very interesting because, for example if you play some competition or audition or just exam it should should matter most skills of the player but quite often at least i encountered that the the biggest battle is actually starting about style between for example juries or, well how to play then what is um, nowadays i feel that there are lots of lots of very very good players around because uh, the education level is very high mm -hmm. almost everywhere in europe you, you have a very good schools and you have very good teachers and the competition is is very very big when you look at uh, how many candidates come to audition? There are huge numbers. Uh -huh. For one one uh, orchestra place, uh, especially in uh, in the wind section, there are sometimes you have a hundred candidates or more, and then the selection is very difficult to make because uh, there are lots of very very good players uh -huh. who. who know the repertoire and who are technically very competent mm -hmm. and i think that uh, in very very good orchestras this is uh, not enough that you are you are just uh, good technically mm -hmm. and uh, but uh, i think that very very good orchestras they are looking for for bright uh, personalities also mm -hmm. but uh, for example i once got remark after the audition that my uh, playing was too soloistic after the audition to the orchestra it can happen and uh, when you go to audition then uh, you have to to understand which because orchestras are different mm -hmm. there are orchestras that are looking for normal people and there are orchestras who are looking for outstanding uh, 
colorful personalities, uh -huh, uh -huh. especially in, in the project orchestras. Yeah. They are like even sometimes inviting personally. Yeah, inviting right. personally people who who the conductor feels that these 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 people they have some very special qualities and very interesting personalities. So so this is this is in each orchestra a little bit different. Mm. And it's also different if you if you play audition to a orchestra of some province or or some state orchestra or some Berliner Philharmonic or so each orchestra has a little bit different character mm -hmm. and you have to feel it what is your where is your best chance to be successful you know, some orchestras are very conservative mm -hmm. Uh -huh. And they expect some very certain style and, and some what they like. Some orchestras are open-minded and they they look for personalities who can give something fresh or new uh -huh. attitude. Yes, I uh, also felt sometimes that uh, if orchestra, for example, just change conductor or uh, concertmaster it's actually can influence uh, style of this orchestra <laughs> and uh, maybe once you play they don't like your style and next time there is other conductor or other first concertmaster and they start like you or other way around <laughs> yes absolutely like uh, me as a concertmaster i have my favorite conductors and uh, the other way around they should say that uh, conductors Different conductors have uh, different uh, opinions sometimes, mm -hmm. or like uh, like making music together. That that with some persons you you feel fantastic, and with some persons you you don't feel so fantastic. So you have to force yourself to do things against your will. Or yes, it's typical music making that that when you are have the same vibe or feelings then then it's much easier, yes. Right. Well, during my two years of work as concertmaster at the Estonian National Opera Orchestra, I was pleasantly surprised how much uh, theater and the Estonian government invest in, in promoting culture in the society, comparable to other countries where I have lived before. What do you what do you think? Uh, wh why it's like that? Uh, and are you happy how cultural life is developing in Estonia? We have a clear understanding that culture is extremely important in our our country because it is a small country and and we have during the centuries we are very busy to keep our our identity and our language and our music to keep it keep it alive and vibrant and to have potential. Mm. So this is a question of national pride for us because mm. Estonia is not so outstanding uh, and important country for the world uh, in uh, like uh, with its industry or 
or economy, and it's a small country, but our identities is mostly connected to our culture mm -hmm. and our song festivities and and our old uh, folk music and so we 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 are trying to to keep it and develop it, this national identity yeah I, I think that our our contemporary composers also have this this uh, very deep roots in in our history and in our language and in our for example when you think about our most uh, outstanding composers like uh, Dormis or Dubin or mm -hmm. or it is very very much connected to Estonian history and culture yeah yeah they are quite outstanding composer and I'm pretty sure that uh, Without support from from Estonian government, probably it would be harder for them to 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 get such outstanding position in the world. Yeah, it's uh, very interesting that even in in uh, nowadays in this uh, coronavirus times, uh, like if if you have a look. Uh, between these Baltic states and uh, Finland, uh, Estonia was uh, the last country who closed uh, concert halls and uh, theaters. Even in these difficult times, we we try to do our work and and to fulfill our mission. And uh, like these uh, weeks now, what what uh, what we are doing, we are doing uh, transmissions we are playing concerts without audience but uh, it goes uh, via internet and the uh, Estonian National Symphony Orchestra TV so we we have still audience mm -hmm. the internet yeah. we are doing uh, recordings we are we are yes we are recording recording like uh, this week and last week we are recording Estonian music and mm. just keeping things going, keeping this uh, work going. Mm. Yeah, I have another question as you're the teacher of uh, and the head of strings department in Estonian Academy of Music and Theatre. Uh, I have studied in many different academies and schools and still doing my studies of master degree in the Sibelius Academy. But uh, what I find is a common issue everywhere that our professional studies uh, basically just teach us how to play. But after we are finishing our studies, we don't know how to survive in this, to be honest, quite cruel professional world as a musician. Because to become a soloist is a chance one on million, and then the only thing left for for violinist as a performer are orchestra auditions, which are also quite often has issues, which happens unfortunately behind the curtain, and it became even worse nowadays with this uh, coronavirus thing. And uh, uh, what let's say average violinists have to do in these conditions, how to how to prosper in these conditions. 
like I understand that, especially during last 30 or 20 years, or especially, especially at this moment nowadays, the key word maybe is creativity, because uh, the musical education has for a very long time been based on, on uh, quite uh, traditional and academic attitude. Mm -hmm. So when I look uh, the programs, what students have to play, it has been uh, for decades say, the same. Mm -hmm. Same repertoire, the same traditions, the same Bach, the same uh, Minyavsky, the same Paganini, and, and, uh, and so on, the same Brahms, and the same violin concertos, as you know, mm -hmm. the obligatory repertoire. And it, it has worked very well, because there has always been an uh, audience, there has always been, uh, there have always been orchestras and the deep uh, traditions, and, and it, it uh, kind of automatically has worked. Mm -hmm. So everyone, like, is satisfied. <laughs> Professors are satisfied, and students are satisfied, and, but times are changing. And uh, we have to rethink and we have to, in education and, and uh, professional musical life, we have to, we have to understand that uh, nothing stays the same. The world is developing and music is developing and, and it has always been in, in development. Mm -hmm. When you even look uh, at the traditions, how was music making in 19th century? and you compare it to nowadays music making, uh, classical music making, it is, it is totally different. In the uh, 19th century, the interpretation was also different. Mm -hmm. Much, much more uh, creativity, there was much more improvisation and there was much more combination of different pieces together and uh, things were not, uh, not played so academically as, as as we we have been used to, yeah. there was uh, has been a, a comfortable, quite comfortable and long period when when performers didn't have to think about too much how how to widen your own uh, attitude or understanding of music making. So people get uh, traditional, very good, high level education, and they continue this tradition, but. But nowadays, I think that uh, we have to understand that the soloist and uh, to be an outstanding, outstanding musician, you you have to be a little bit more than just just playing well. But you have to create your own own world. So that's that's why uh, also we sometimes see some interesting personalities who are very fine violinists but who can who can create their own, own world and they can improvise they can compose they can create their own uh, ensembles right and come with fresh ideas and go like beyond this uh, cage <laughs> right of this cage I don't mean it badly, but but uh, you you understand that this is your your you do what you 
you feel your own personality and you you do what you what you want or... yeah it becomes more and more kind of like entrepreneurship like you like businessman you should at the same time be your own uh, manager music manager marketologue uh, promoter and uh, i don't know so- sound producer sound engineer video engineer <laughs> at the same time yes you you know it is like in industry you you have everywhere there are there are fabrics and then there are there are everywhere in every country they produce cars and they produce furniture and they produce other goods but how when you want to produce something, you, you understand that this already exists. We have already everything, but you have, to, you have to create something very special on the basis of what we have, but you have to find some, some interesting extra value in right. what you are doing. So, or is it uh, inter- very, very interesting interpretation or, or is it just creativity that you you create something of your own. Mm. It's not easy, but but this is the challenge. Thank you for listening. Continue to listen to the second part of the Arvo Labors interview in the next episode.